Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome to New Creation Realities. And we're going to go ahead and continue with our lessons in Christ. And uh, <clears throat> I want us to look at today, just, it'll actually end up being one verse, and it has en auto in him. And that'll be towards the very end of our lesson, <clears throat> because there were some things that the Lord put on my heart uh, that kind of all come together, but you'll see it kind of towards the end. And one of the things we're going to be talking about are the cities of refuge and basically how Christ is that very city of refuge for us. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so before we get there, I do want to read... John chapter 14, verse 20, our principal verse. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you in me, and you in me, and I in you. And <clears throat> he says right here, in that day, you will know. And he did not say, in that day, it will be so. No, he did not say that. He said, in that day, what is so, you will know. In that day, what is, you will know. Of course, the time uh, during which he spoke this to his disciples was before his crucifixion. But he is speaking of a time when the Spirit of God would bring them in their hearts in knowledge after they had been Born again. Okay. <clears throat> and so, just with that, in that day, you will know. And I've said this and I've stated this several times, but my brothers and sisters, everything that is below, including my brain, my natural reasoning, my natural mind, or carnal mind, call it whatever you want, it's not the mind of Christ, the mind of the Adamic man that comes. Uh, that it has as its source, Adam, our, I can very well say, our mind, before we were born again, is darkness, is of a creation that God purposed to testify of his Son, but it is a faulty and imperfect creation. The only light there truly is is the light whom he himself is. Just as the only life there truly is, is the life that he himself is. Everything below is darkness and ignorance. Doesn't matter what IQ, we, what IQ level we have, no. Everything below is darkness and ignorance. Only above is found wisdom, knowledge, understanding, light, Christ himself. <clears throat> the mind of God, the eternal mind, the mind of Christ himself. And so, as he says this, as Jesus says this, in that day you will know, and he's basically saying, right now you do not know, and until that day dawns, you will continue to not know. 
But my brothers and sisters, once again, this is not our knowing. God doesn't show us something and then we see and then, oh, okay, now I know. Like the light bulb goes off, bing. Oh, yeah, I get it now. No, no. Man will never get it. God reveals his very own knowledge of his son. It is always God's knowledge that is found above. Man has nowhere to glory in this. Man cannot say, oh, well, God gave me. No, no, no. It is God's knowledge. It is not my knowledge. I have nowhere to boast. Now, of course, if we continue ignorantly in ignorance, then we will boast in ourselves. Oh, look what God gave me. Now I know God gave me this knowledge. And well, God gave us everything he will ever give us that he created our souls for in the person of Christ his son. God gave unto the soul the totality of everything that he created the soul for, which is the very person of his son. This happens the moment of new birth. In fact, this is the moment of new birth. <clears throat> and then God makes known by work of the Holy Spirit, a miracle of God, his very own son. It is never our knowledge. It is never, listen to me, it is never I. Once we take it unto ourselves, we corrupt. We corrupt it. We, we create a doctrine. We create a, a message, a teaching out of it. We create a sect out of it. No. God does not dissect the Son, brothers and sisters. The Lord Jesus Christ is a person. Full and complete. All right. <clears throat> In that day, you will know. So before this day dawns, we might as well just confess it. We might as well just get on the same page as God wants us on. We might as well agree with God and just confess our ignorance. I mean, it requires, I, th I think it was previous lessons where I, I mentioned this, and forgive me if it wasn't during this series, but it requires a miracle of God for us to humble ourselves and declare our need of him. For everything. <clears throat> so, the believer has one life. My brothers and sisters, we have, we plural, have one singular life. Whose name is Christ. Remember, once again, Jesus is the only life there is. <clears throat> so, if we pray, or if we are found in our hearts praying unto God, asking Him to, listen to the way I say this, because in times, you know, I used to pray this way, God help my life. Then, the true response that my heart, if, if in praying that God helped my life, 
the true response that our heart would have to be prepared by the Spirit of God to be able to hear and receive would be, your life needs no help. If we would pray, Lord, Lord God, change my life. The true response that requires a miracle of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, to be able to prepare our hearts to be able to both hear and receive, the response would be, the life you have is not what was. Listen, brothers and sisters, we've prayed so many times, Lord, change me. But we pray so because we, the believer, and I don't know if you can see that from here, but I'm looking at the chalkboard here. We, the believer, it is a dashed square. I call that ignorance. We have a concept of what we believe our life is. And my brothers and sisters, that is exactly what it is. A concept, man's concept. Once again, the believer does not have two lives. The believer has one life. If you're not born again, you do not have life. You have an existence, but you have no life. Man, God created man a living soul, but he never partook of the tree of life, which testifies of Christ himself. We partake of this tree, my brothers and sisters, the moment of new birth. Up until that time, the soul has no life. I know we call something life, but it's not life at all. <clears throat> and so, that is our concept. Thank God, thank God that He Himself does not have a concept. The Father knows the Son, the Son who is our life. All right, this is Jesus in uh, John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. This is Jesus himself. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Even though we may not know the Lord, here's, here is the perfect knowledge because it is the knowledge of God. I know them. And they follow me. Now, I do want to say this because with Jesus saying this, and I just, you know, when I was looking at the passage, I just, oh, wow. Uh, in, in looking at it, there is that which Jesus is saying, and then there is that which he is not saying. And in verse 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice. He is not saying, my sheep hear my voice perfectly. No, that's not what he's saying. He's just saying, my sheep hear my voice. And then he goes on to say, and I know, and I know them. And this is what he says, they follow me. And he did not say they follow me perfectly. No, he just says they follow me. And see, and that's it, my brothers and sisters. We get so caught up with ourselves, with selves. We are very sad, but very true, very sad and true at the same time. We are so self-centered, 
self-aware. God is not self-aware. God is Christ-aware. He's aware of his Son. Did I hear the voice of God? Did I hear God correctly? Did I? Have I followed the Lord as I ought? Do I follow the Lord? Can you hear it? I, 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 and the eyes go on and on. But the emphasis, the emphasis and the, what's the word? The emphasis and the dependency is upon I. The expectation is upon I, doing or not doing. My brothers and sisters, I've said this, I know I recently have said this, God has no expectation for man. God does not put his hope in man. God does not put his hope in, listen, man's concept either. God's expectation is found in his son. A sure expectation. A sure expectation. So here's Jesus. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Verse 28. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Boom. Right there. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. He goes on to say, verse 29. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one that means not that which we consider the enemy. That also means our natural minds or our conscience. Anything of I. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And to seal it all, Jesus says, verse 30, I and my Father are one. Of course, when Jesus made that statement, he upset the Jews. <clears throat> but remember, my brothers and sisters, at that day, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So secure, so secure is our our union, so secure is our salvation, so secure is our soul, because Christ himself is the security of it, of the whole thing. He holds all things together. He does this. My brothers and sisters, it is his ability, not ours. You did not save yourself, nor did I save myself. No, this God did because he knew 
past tense, he knows presently, and he will forever know in times to come. With man, it is entirely impossible. So going on. This is uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, and all I'm doing really is just considering John chapter 14, verse 20, where Jesus says, in that day, you will know. And that's the key. You will know, but it will only be in the day, the eternal day, who Christ himself is. Uh, This is Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Of course, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this. And I have as a subtitle right here, uh, the Apostle's heart abiding in knowledge where his soul is in reality. And that's where Jesus says, in that day you will know. To know what is. Verse 1, if then you were raised, and of course we've looked at this several times, and the better translation, the more accurate, the more literal translation is uh, since then, or in view of the fact that, like, this is so, my brothers and sisters, for us who are born again. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Verse 3, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ. Here's one of our words, N, in God. Verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, perfectly defined there, when Christ, who is our life, the life of the believer, the life of the church, appears, then, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, I want us to look at uh, verse 3. He says, For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Christ brought death to death. Before we were born again, our souls were in this condition, this state of death, that we could not escape. And Jesus Christ himself brought that condition of death. He brought it to death. Before we were born again, we called what we called life is actually death. We were calling good, we were calling uh, evil good and good evil. But the Lord brought that very condition to death. That's why the Apostle Paul says here, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You see the relationship? Hidden with Christ in God. In that day you will know, I am in my Father. You are in me and I am in you. Until that day, my brothers and sisters, we don't know. Verse 4, when Christ who is our life, appears, is revealed, is made known by his Father, then you also will appear with him in glory. In that day, once again, in that day you will know, I am in my Father, 
you are in me and I am in you. What we called life was the existence of the Adamic man, the very one that the Lord Jesus took in unto himself, brought to death and buried, never to be seen again. Of course, the believer, once again, has our, we have our concept of, we, of what we think is our life. But remember, my brothers and sisters, our concept is not life. There's only one life, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Our concept is not life. And though we be convinced of our concept, God is not. God knows the truth, even though we do not know. The knowledge of God is above Christ himself. The knowledge of man is below darkness and ignorance. And even in saying this, we can study this, we can learn this, but my brothers and sisters, <laughs> we cannot try to apply this. No, because that, I know that's what we want to do. We want to apply it. Okay, okay, I need to. I, there we go. I need to. I need to. I need to. Well, if we need to do anything, what we ought to do is pray to God that in his tender mercy and ever-bounding grace, he would cause, by the work of the Holy Spirit, our heart to be directed and come in knowledge from our knowledge unto his eternal knowledge, who is Christ his Son. For our heart to come in knowledge where our soul has already been brought in reality, the moment of new birth. That's the difference, my brothers and sisters. Jesus said this. He spoke this to his disciples. In that day, you will know. Not before. Even though Jesus himself spoke it to his disciples, they could have memorized these very words. But they still didn't know. I mean, Jesus himself walked with his disciples and they did not know him. God the Father had to reveal him even to Peter. Because man, by man's ability, knows not. Now concerning Paul, <clears throat> I was thinking about this because I, I think uh, even even those of us who who have a, a really uh, who have a desire to serve the Lord at a greater capacity, uh, who I'll just use this phrase because we're more familiar with this phrase, who feel led or feel called to the ministry. Okay, I do want to say this concerning uh, Paul, and we'll touch on Moses as well. That Paul was about zero to three years. No one really knows exactly. Uh, zero to three years in preparation in the desert for one thing. Before he began serving, and listen to what I say here, the ministry of God. See, because we can go out and serve our ministry, and God may give us a ministry, 
But to serve the ministry of God requires something. This, my brothers and sisters, is the appearing of the Lord. In that day, you will know, I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then, then you will also appear with him in glory. What happens when Christ, who is our life, appears, my brothers and sisters? Look at the testimony in the Old Testament. What happened when anyone saw the Lord? They fell on their face, listen, as dead. For no man, God himself says this, no man can see my face and live. What happens for us, brothers and sisters, who are born again, if by the Spirit of God our hearts are directed above and we behold the face of the Lord? The Lord appears. What what then, my brothers and sisters? Our concept, our concept of what we believe is our life falls at his feet as dead. And automatically, we confess, just like all the other apostles, all the others of whom the Lord chose in the Old Testament, we confess, not I, but Christ. No longer me, my concept, my mind, listen, my ability, my strength, my ministry, but God. This, my brothers and sisters, requires a work of the Holy Spirit and does not, well, (laughs) I was going to say it does not happen overnight, but actually, my brothers and sisters, it sure does. (laughs) Because when the day dawns, we have then in our hearts come from darkness below unto the eternal light above, who is Christ himself. We have come, we have been brought, more perfectly said, we have been brought in knowledge by the Holy Spirit. So Paul, he was about zero to three years in preparation in the desert for one thing, before he began serving the ministry of God. Excuse me. This, of course, was the appearing of the Lord, wherein he automatically confessed, not I, but Christ. You can look at those verses where he continues, because the Lord appears to him, and we're going to read it in a second, in uh, Acts chapter 26, verse 16. This is, I believe, <clears throat> where the Lord appears to him. Uh, I could say where he's born again, or... Uh, Maybe he was born again just a little bit of time before and he's kicking against the goads because God is directing him this way and he still wants to go this other way. So I don't know exactly when the Apostle Paul was born again, but he did continue in the appearing of Christ. Uh, you can see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 10, Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 through 12, and Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, where he speaks of revelations of Christ of visions of Christ, being caught up, all this, okay? So this is uh, James Murdoch. (laughs) I have it in Spanish, forgive me. This is James Murdoch's translation of the Syriac Peshito. I need to make a note of that. That's in Spanish. 
Here we go. <clears throat> says the following, it's the verse, for Acts chapter 26, verse 16, and he said to me, this is Paul speaking, and he said to me, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee. And this is where it all changes right there, brothers and sisters. Remember Jesus said, in that day, you will know, I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Remember he said, Christ who is our life in Colossians, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. There's the union. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Okay, so this is uh, once again, Acts chapter 26, verse 16. And he said to me, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to constitute thee a minister and a witness. And we get so excited about that. Oh, I'm going to be a minister, or, or oh, I'm going to be a minister and a witness. And well, but Jesus was very specific when he said this, because he goes on to say, a minister and a witness of this, of the following of nothing less and of nothing other, of thy seeing me and of thy seeing me hereafter. Of thy seeing me and of thy seeing me from this moment onward. That's it. This, my brothers and sisters, will cause a heart to submit, to bow down, to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit and serve the ministry of God in one's generation. This is Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. Oh, and that was James Murdoch's translation of the Syriac Pishido. This is Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 through 19. This is the Apostle Paul just speaking, kind of giving a little bit of history to the church there at Galatia. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me. And the two words there, en emoi, words we've been looking at, but in this respect, it's not uh, en emoi, Speaking of Jesus himself, excuse me, Paul is speaking of himself to reveal his son in me. Okay? That I might, and I love it, he goes on to say, that I might preach him. That's a, you can underline that, circle that. Him, highlight the word him. Not, listen, not peoples, not places, not things not times, not events, etc. All those things are found in the Old Testament and they testify of Him. But God revealed His Son in Paul so that Paul might preach Him, a person. He was on among the Gentiles. And then he goes on and says this, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, verse 17, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. When this happened, when Christ was revealed in me, in me, and emoi, in me, I didn't immediately go up to the apostles and say, hey, tell me all about Jesus. Tell me what you know. 
Hey, why don't you, I want to listen to your message and learn your message. I want to learn your doctrine. I want to learn your teaching. No, he did nothing of that, my brothers and sisters. No. Once again, verse 17, nor did I go up to Jerusalem. Well, before that, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And there I went to Arabia. That's the zero to three years. Then verse 18, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. So Paul did not receive his gospel from man. Another place we read, this came by the revelation of Jesus Christ. God was preparing Paul for one thing, for Christ to appear. Because until that, listen, until that perfect eternal day, Dawn in his heart, then he would continue trying to serve the Lord by his own mind, by his own reason, by his own thought, his best thought. But our best, my brothers and sisters, is not Christ. <clears throat> this is Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 3 again. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. If a heart is not submitted unto the knowledge of God, that is to say, a heart continues submitted unto the knowledge of man, then we will think that we have a life that is not life. We will think that we have a life, but it's our concept, that is not our life, who Christ himself is. Remember? We will, listen, we will look to what was and call death life. But my brothers and sisters, God does not look to what was God looks upon who is Christ his Son. What we consider to be our life, which is only a concept. It's only a concept, my brothers and sisters. Now, our concept of life does not please God. Because our concept of life comes from the first man, Adam. The first man, Adam, fails God miserably. Remember, one of the first, uh, one of the first things he does in regard to what God, uh, to what God. does and does not want, one of the first things he does is eat of the tree of death that God told him not to eat of. That's Genesis chapter 2, verse uh, 15 through 17, and chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. 
The first man, Adam, always fails God miserably. Christ, our life, whom God knows, is the only one who pleases him. And I'm going to say this, and we're going to immediately look to ourselves and say, what did you just say? Because we are so self-centered, so self-aware, so self-conscious. But please listen to the words. We believers, we the church, our life pleases God. Because our life is singular, Christ himself. The issue is, we know not who our life is. But praise God, God does not have that issue. God knows fully, completely who the life of the church is, who the life of the believer is. And so even though we may get unsettled and uh, upset or, or fearful or doubtful, my, my brothers and sisters, our God does not. It's almost like a, no, I can't say it's like this, but I'll give an earthly example. Like a little child at night, you know, and there's a, there's a, a sound and they don't know what the sound is and, and it's nighttime and they're so scared and terrified. And then the parent comes and turns on the nightlight. No, everything's okay. There's, there's nothing there. Oh, but it's a big monster. No, there's, not, there's nothing to be fearful Perfect love casts out all fear, my brothers and sisters. Perfect love is found in Christ, who is the love of God, who is the perfect love of God. When our hearts, when our hearts abide in him, then we know that we are accepted in the beloved. Therein is our acceptance, not based upon what we did or what we didn't do, what we can or what we cannot do. No, listen, not based upon us at all. No, not us, not I, but Christ. And it's not, it's not even upon what Christ did, my brothers and sisters, but it is whom Christ is. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So, moving on to Moses, Moses was, and it is recorded in the scriptures, Moses was 40 years in preparation in the desert for one thing, before he began serving the ministry of God. Of course, this one thing, once again, is the appearing of the Lord. I asked, I asked the Berea students, Moses was in preparation for 40 years for what? And they were saying, oh, to go deliver the children of Israel. I said, no, <laughs> he was not in the desert 40 years in preparation to deliver the children of Israel. No, no, no. God delivered the children of Israel. God did. You saw what I did to the Egyptians. 
You saw what I did unto the Egyptians, and how that I bore you upon eagles' wings unto myself. Then I will come down and deliver them from the Egyptian bondage. I will, I will. This is God Almighty speaking. Moses was 40 years in the wilderness being prepared of God for one thing, for the Lord to appear. And he appeared in the burning bush. And not only that, Moses continues in this very appearing. Because Moses, God himself saying, speaks to Moses as a man speaks to his friend face to face. Plainly face to face. This is Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I'm not going to read all of them, but I'll read verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert, desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. That's very specific. Not the valley, the mountain above. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. That's it. That's it. The heart turns to the Lord. The veil of ignorance is finally removed. And the Lord appears. Not that he appeared. It's not like he shows up where he wasn't before. No, no, no. He is present, my brothers and sisters. The thing is, our veil of ignorance covers our sight of Him, and it's not our natural sight. It requires a miracle of God for Christ to be present in the soul. It requires a miracle of God for Christ, the one who is present now in the soul of the one who is born again, to be made known, to be seen, Forty years in the wilderness for Moses. And once again, he continued in the appearing of the Lord. He continued continued seeing the Lord. Listen, my brothers and sisters, he continued, listen, going up, up. And that's just a testimony. Jesus told the Apostle Paul, this, thy seeing me, and thy seeing me from this moment onward. The heart continually being directed, continually turning above, being brought by the work of the Holy Spirit in knowledge unto the one that the soul has been brought to in reality, the moment of new birth. Everything changes. Well, no, I cannot say that. Scratch that. (laughs) The change comes at new birth, my brothers and sisters. We walk in that change. We walk in the light. We walk in the truth. When our hearts behold the truth. When our hearts behold the light. Jesus said, no man can walk in darkness. If he walks in darkness, he stumbles and falls. No, you walk in the day. While it is day, therein you walk. And 
There is an eternal day, my brothers and sisters, that the Lord would bring us by His Holy Spirit to walk in. For in reality, we have been brought unto this eternal day. For it is in Him that we live. And now, my brothers and sisters, may it be also in Him that we move, that we walk. Live, move, and have our being. That was also the Apostle Paul. Now concerning the cities of refuge, <clears throat> I want to read a couple things, or a couple of excerpts. I'll, I'll read. There were like one, two, three, four, about four passages where it speaks that I chose from the scriptures of uh, the cities of refuge. This first one is Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. I'll just read a couple of excerpts. This is verse 2. You shall separate three cities for yourself in the midst of your land. And then verse 3, you shall prepare roads for yourself. The Lord made it really clear. You shall prepare roads. Why? So that there is easy access to this city of refuge. And that's why you need the road to get there. Numbers chapter 35, uh, verses 9 through 15. I'll just read a couple of excerpts here. From that passage, this is verse 10. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, verse 11, then you shall appoint cities to be cities of refuge for you. It goes on, verse 13, and of the cities which you give, you shall have, oh, look, look at this, you shall have six cities of refuge. Before he was mentioning three cities, mm-hmm, Three cities in the midst of the land. But now he says, uh, and of the cities which you give, you shall have six cities of refuge. Now, I was thinking about this, and this is just uh, my comment. Because when I think of six, I think of man was created on the sixth day. So based upon that, based upon that thought, I'll just go ahead and give my own comment here. Man was created on the sixth day. Imperfect man the one who never pleases God, was created on the sixth day. The first man, Adam. The cities of refuge are in place for the people of God and those who would come who do what is not pleasing to God. For, oh, not pleasing to God. Though the only one who pleases God is present and is in the midst. Cities of refuge, uh, unintentional crimes. That's basically it. When they, they give one of the examples, let's say you're you and a friend are are cutting wood with an axe, and you know you swing, the axe head goes, hits him, he dies. It's like, oh my gosh, I killed him. Well, it wasn't it wasn't intentional. But then there's this manslayer, you know, uh, the avenger of blood. So that's what those cities of refuge are basically for. Okay, I didn't mean to do it, but I screwed it all up. I mean, I killed him. <laughs> uh, that's the extreme. <clears throat> but these, there's these cities of refuge where one could flee and be safe. All right. The cities of refuge, once again, are in place for the people of God and those who would come who do what is not pleasing to God, though the only one who pleases God is present and in Oh, excuse me, and is, 
I guess I'm speaking to those who are born again, and is their life. Remember, the born-again believer does not, have, does not have two lives. No, 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 no. The born-again believer has one life, who is Christ. But when we begin to consider, consider that which we believe is our life, our concept of what is our life, my brothers and sisters, our concept does not please God. And if our heart is submitted to the natural mind, the first man, Adam, the carnal mind, darkness, ignorance, even in that, God provides for us. God doesn't need that. We do. You shall make cities. This is, this is uh, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, look at this, chapter Chapter 19, I read it a second ago. Chapter 19, this is verse 2. You shall separate three cities for yourself. God doesn't need this. God knows the truth. It is we, my brothers and sisters, who do not know the truth. And ultimately, it's we who do not know Christ, who is our life. Yes, we know that He is our life because we read it. But no, my brothers and sisters, we do not know Him until God the Father makes Him known. And He is unto our soul, He is unto our heart, a city of refuge. Our salvation, we who are born again, our salvation is not dependent upon what man knows, not dependent upon what we know, not dependent upon what I know, not dependent upon what you know, but upon what, or more specifically, who God knows, because the Son is our salvation. When the Holy Spirit makes us to know this, we will rejoice and give glory to our Lord. And we will confess, it is not I, but Christ. And there will be a greater appreciation for the Son and the Father. The issue is not us, but Christ. The crossing, oh, and I, I, I went ahead and added this, the crossing of Jordan is a tremendous knowledge of reality. That's basically what the crossing of Jordan is. And we'll, we're going to look at the Jordan here in a second. Jordan, the heart submitted unto the knowledge of God concerning what took place at the Red Sea, because that's exactly what it was. You have death, burial, resurrection, and then you have the children of Israel in Egypt, excuse me, not in Egypt, in the wilderness, and they are completely ignorant of, listen, of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Completely ignorant of Christ and the cross, the death, burial, resurrection. And so this crossing of the Jordan, all this is, is the knowledge of God concerning Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So Christ was present in the midst, but they had no, they had no clue 
of the one who is present. Their souls in testimony had been brought unto God himself. God himself, dude, ha- having done this. I almost said having dude this. <laughs> having done this. And they still have no knowledge of the truth. And yet, God, we know this. God, time and time again, giving them testimony that they may know. This is uh, this is Joshua chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. I'll read just a couple of excerpts here. Verse 2, speak to the children of Israel, saying, appoint for yourselves cities, for yourselves, there we go again, for yourselves, because you need this, cities of refuge. You need to know this. You need to see this. Uh, then it goes on, when, when he flees to one of the cities and stands at the entrance of the gate of the city and declares his case in the hearing of the elders of that city, they shall take him in into the city as one of them and give him a place that he may dwell among them free. Listen, dwell among them free from all Accusation, free from the accuser or anyone or anything who would come and accuse. Well, I don't care. You did this. Guilty. Guilty as charged. But But it doesn't matter whether you did it intentionally or unintentionally. You did it. Can you hear that? (laughs) The voice of the accuser. You did it. It doesn't matter if you didn't do it intentionally. You did it. You committed the crime. And yet Christ himself is our city of refuge where we are free from the accusations. Crimes of ignorance, unintentional, call it whatever you want. God the Father knows God the Son. God the Father knows our life. It is we who do not know our life. When we continue to consider that which is not our life, then that which is not our life, my brothers and sisters, is rightfully condemned. But my brothers and sisters, there is that, there is now, therefore, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And Christo. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. This is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 41 through 43. This, uh, oh wow, this is, I think, one of our last verses uh, concerning the cities of refuge. This, verse 41, Then Moses set apart three cities on this side of the Jordan, 
So this side of the Jordan, remember I said that the Jordan is basically just uh, knowledge of reality? But listen to what it says. Moses set apart three cities on this side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun. I love that. Uh, it even excites my dogs out there. <laughs> Towards the rising of the sun. My brothers and sisters, here's my comment. So that there may be light towards the rising of the sun. I mean, the Spirit of God did not tell Moses, write this and make sure you put this in here. He didn't do that for nothing. He did that with purpose. Toward the rising of the sun. Jacob, as well, wrestled with an angel. But it was for Jacob, it was during the night. Right? He wrestled with an angel at night. And then it says that he crossed Peniel, which was the brook Jabbok, which was basically a part of the Jordan. And as he crossed Peniel, it says, the sun rose upon him. So before at night in darkness, he's wrestling. Well, I'll read the comments here in a second. But <laughs> are wrestling, my brothers and sisters, with ourselves, with the other brothers and sisters, with God himself, is all during the night when our hearts still continue submitted unto that which is below, our frustrations with ourselves, our frustrations with, with others, the body of Christ, our frustrations with God, they are all during the night, my brothers and sisters, when our heart still continues submitted unto the knowledge which is ignorance, the knowledge of man, which is ignorance of man. But the Spirit of God works faithfully, preparing the ground of our heart to both direct and bring our heart in knowledge from the knowledge of man below, which is complete darkness and ignorance, unto the knowledge of God above, who is Christ his Son. The sun rose on Jacob as he crossed Peniel. Peniel, once again, is the face of God. But when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then, then you also will appear with him in glory. In that day, you will know, I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. That passage of, uh, of, of the whole wrestling of Jacob, and the angel is Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 through 31. I'm just going to read some of my comments here. Now walking in, now, now, now Jacob is no longer Jacob. Because that, that was his whole issue. Bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. But what is he actually saying? He's asking the Lord to bless his concept. That's what he's asking. Bless me, bless me, bless me. He's asking the Lord to bless his concept. His concept, my brothers and sisters, has added as its source the first man, Adam. The one God did not bless. Now, he did bless those in the Old Testament, my brothers and sisters, but it is testimony of his true blessing, Christ. 
God will not bless our concept of what we believe to be our life. Because the angel asks him, okay, tell me your name. What do you say of yourself? Who do you think you are? I am Jacob, the supplanter. This is what I do. This is me. But he saw the angel of the Lord. He saw the Lord face to face. This is He didn't confess it, but basically he's saying, this is my concept. This is what I think my life is. And the angel of the Lord says, your name is no longer Jacob, but Israel, prince with God. A prince, my brothers and sisters, is a son. He's basically saying, not Jacob, but Christ. At that moment, from that moment onward, my brothers and sisters, Jacob, I can't say Jacob, Israel, I'll just say he, 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 because it is no longer I, but Christ. When this, when, when, when this happens, my brothers and sisters, in our hearts we confess it is not I, but Christ. From this moment onward, he now walks in the light of the knowledge of the eternal day who Christ is. Because remember, as he crossed Peniel, the sun rose upon him. He now walks in the power and ability of another. Remember, he limped because he no longer walked the same way he walked before. He now is walking in a new way with the heart submitted unto the truth that it is not I, but Christ, not Jacob, but Israel. Before he wanted his concept to be blessed by God, God will not bless our concepts, however good we think they are. His son is, 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 excuse me, his son who is our life is already blessed. Not I, but Israel, the heart submitted unto the knowledge of God and therefore walking in light. Once again, John chapter 14, verse 20. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. Here's our word. En auto, in him. This is John chapter 7, verse 16 through 18. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine. I want to read, because I want to read the context of that real quick. Give me just a second. This is John chapter 7. I'll start with verse 14. John chapter 7, verse 14. Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters? No letters, having never studied. How does he know the law? How does he know the scriptures? How does he know the books of the, of, of the Torah, the books of the Old Testament, the scriptures? Jesus answered and said to them, and said to them My doctrine is not mine. 
but his who sent me. Jesus walks in the light of the countenance of his Father. Therefore, he can honestly, truthfully, automatically confess, not I, but the Father. My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. Verse 17, if anyone, listen to this, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine. He will know the teaching. He will know the doctrine. If anyone wills to do his will, now, my brothers and sisters, I'm just going to throw this out there for us. If any one of us wills to do the will of God, we will know the doctrine. It won't be our doctrine. It won't be your doctrine. It's certainly not my doctrine. Jesus says, He shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Verse 18, now he unfolds it. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, has somewhere, has somewhat to glory in himself. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him, en auto. There is no unrighteousness, my brothers and sisters, in the person of Christ. He did the will of his Father. He did not do his own will. Remember Jesus himself praying in the garden, not my will, but thy will be done, even unto death. I'll make a couple more comments, but I thought thought that was just great. Verse 17, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine so, and once again, my brothers and sisters, we, if we're serving the ministry of God, we have nothing to glory in. It's not ours. It's His. The ministry of God directs and brings under the person of His Son. That's it. This is in every age, in every generation. This is what God does. This is not what we do. We do something less when it's our ministry. But God does not. God directs and brings unto His Son. This is what God does. John the Baptist, he baptized. He was also a man sent from God. The sum totality of the ministry that he served could be, could be, how shall I say it? Could be summarized in the following. Behold the Lamb of God. That's John chapter 1, verses 29 and verse 36, where he says that. Verse 36, two of his disciples during... In verse 36, when he, well, let's just read that. This is, this is wild. I mean, just think of this. You know, someone's a pastor and uh, he has a congregation. And here we go, verse uh, 36. He starts taking, you know, declaring Jesus by the work of the Spirit. And looking at Jesus, he walked. He said, behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. I mean, they left John. Whoa, hey, wait, guys, wait, whoa, 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 where are you going? I'm your pastor. No, no. See, the one who's sent of God is the one whom God has prepared, just as all the rest, for one thing. The appearing of Christ. At that moment, it is in the heart, automatically, confessing, not I, 
but Christ, not my ministry, the ministry of God. I'm not the shepherd. There's one true shepherd. I'm not the head. There's one true head. And then he just submits, as just all the others have, to serve the eternal ministry of God in every generation. Look at this. John chapter 3, this continuing with John the Baptist. I love this example of what we see with him. John chapter 3, verse 26. 26 through verse 30. See, because two of John's disciples left him, left his... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Left what? Left his flock? No, they were never his flock. John knew they were God's flock. And God has one shepherd who is Christ, his son. John was just, listen, this is true, by the Spirit of God, preparing those that came to him for their true shepherd of the sheep. John chapter 3, starting with verse 36 through verse 30. And they came to John and said to him, John the Baptist, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom he... You have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. Oh no, he's taking your sheep. That's what they thought. He's taking uh, your disciples. That's what they thought. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it, unless it has been given to him from heaven. Remember what Jesus said? Let, let's, let's go back. Let, what's that verse? John chapter 10, verse... Where was it? Verse 29. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I decrease because it's all about Jesus and God directing and bringing under the person of his son. The verse again, Jesus speaking, he who, he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. En auto. So there you have it. Please present all of this to the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit may take that which he desires to take and use it for God's end and God's own purpose. Amen. Lord bless you all. We'll see you in our next lesson. Amen.